How many of you, how many of you have ever done Bible drills? Y'all know what Bible drills are? Yeah, we used to do those at camp. Uh, that's where you, you have to close your Bible and they give you a reference and you first one to find uh, the reference that they shout out is the winner. And so uh, we're not going to do Bible drills today, but we're going to come close, okay? So, uh, so get your, your thumbs licked and get ready because we're going to turn. We're going to turn to a lot of places today. But you're gonna you're gonna see some you're gonna see some really neat you're gonna see some really neat stuff today, um, pretty amazing. I was very excited about Sunday school this morning, and man, we had a humdinger of a class today. And if you're not if 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 you've not yet made Sunday school a part, oh listen, I want to encourage you. We have a graded Sunday school program here at Calvary, which means we pretty much have a Sunday school class for all ages. All ages, we have two adult Sunday school classes. Uh, we have our auditorium class, we have young adult class, and so I want to encourage you, if you're not making Sunday school a part of your Sunday, mercy sakes, uh, come a little earlier and you'll, you'll get a blessing from Sunday school, but also very excited about today, very excited about 11 o'clock service, uh, just because I knew the content <clears throat> that I want to give you. Brother Andrade is going to be bringing a very special message tonight, so I wanted to go ahead and and talk to you a little bit about uh, biblical prophecy today. <clears throat> and so Daniel chapter 2, we're going to have to really work at it to get all this in in 30 minutes. So uh, once you find your place, if you'll stand with us this morning out of respect for the reading of God's Word, if you're able to stand, Daniel chapter 2, <clears throat> and we're going to begin in verse number 36. And I wish I could, I, I really, I want to go back and read more than what we're going to read today. And I want to encourage you in your devotions, go back and read the whole chapter it's a little bit of a long chapter, but go back and read the whole chapter, and you will benefit greatly from, uh, from Daniel chapter number two. But we're going to pick up the story in verse 36, and then I'll explain a little bit of it to you, and then we're going to uh, we're going to dive a little deep first, okay? And then we'll come up into the shallow just a little bit, and you won't have any, any problem understanding what we're talking about today. Verse 36, Daniel is interpreting a dream, and he says in verse 36, this is the dream. And we will tell the interpretation thereof before the king. Thou, O king, art a king of kings. For the God of heaven hath given thee a kingdom, power and strength and glory. And wheresoever the children of men dwell, the beasts of the field and the fowls of the heaven hath he given into thine hand and hath made thee ruler over them all. Thou art this head of gold. And so in the dream, there's an image and that's what Daniel's referring to when he says, thou art this head of gold, talking about the head on the image, on the statue, if you want to think about it like that. Look at verse 39. And after thee shall arise another kingdom inferior to thee, and another third kingdom of brass, which shall bear rule over all the earth. And the fourth kingdom shall be strong as iron, for as much as iron breaketh in pieces and subdueth all things, and as iron that breaketh all these shall it break in pieces and bruise. And whereas thou sawest the feet and toes, part of potter's clay and part of iron, the kingdom shall be divided, but there shall be in it of the strength of the iron. For as much as thou sawest the iron mixed with miry clay, and as the toes of the feet were part of iron and part of clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly broken. And whereas thou sawest iron mixed with miry clay, 
they shall mingle, them, mingle themselves with the seed of men, but they shall not cleave one to another, even as iron is not mixed with clay. Now, you say, Pastor, what in the world? Hang in there, okay? We're going to explain this to you best we can. But I want you to look at verse 44. Oh, yes, good neighbor. And in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. And the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms. Oh, look at this last part, Calvary. And it, this kingdom he's talking about, and it shall stand. How long is it going to stand for? Forever. Forever. That's a pretty long time, isn't it? Forever. You may be seated this morning. And I want to talk to you about this subject. Again, the millennial reign of Christ. And specifically, and we've already talked about this, but I want to talk to you about uh, the curse lifted. That's what I want to talk to you about today. And so we're going to uh, pray, and then I'm going to try to, my best to explain to you what we just read, and then we're going we're gonna to take just a minute. We're going to review what we've already learned, and then we're going to get into some uh, brand new content, and uh, man, it's, it's, it's pretty amazing. And so I hope this is going to be a help to you. Let's pray together. Father, we, we need your help today. We need your help. Daniel, we didn't read this part of Daniel 2, but... Earlier in Daniel chapter 2, Lord Daniel begged you. He, he sought your face for you to make this understandable to him. And Lord, you did. Well, Lord, we need your understanding today. Father, we really can't understand this apart from the Holy Spirit. And so, Spirit of God, we're begging you that you will give us understanding and help us to Lord, to discern what the book of Daniel, and specifically Daniel chapter 2, is speaking of today. We pray for the power of the Holy Spirit. Give us a hunger. God, give us a hunger to learn this book and to know this book. And I pray that this would not only be interesting today, but I pray, Lord, I, Lord, I, I don't, I don't want to just satisfy curiosities. God, I want lives to be changed. And so, Holy Spirit of God, I pray that you would teach us a wonderful lesson, and I pray that we would leave out of this place being able to say it was so good to be in the house of the Lord. More than anything in the world, we pray that Jesus will be lifted up through this and that you'll be pleased, and yes, Lord, that souls will be saved. Help us and edify us today that we might be more of what you want us to be. We love you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. In Jesus' name, we pray, and for his sake, and all God's people said, amen. And so Daniel chapter 2 is what we would refer to as predictive prophecy. Predictive prophecy. Now, interesting story. Daniel chapter two is uh, the king has has had a dream, and the dream has shook him up. The dream has has bothered him, and so he calls in what the Bible refers to as his magicians and his wise men and uh, the Chaldeans. The Chaldeans were supposed to be among the wisest of the wise. And so he calls in all these special people and he says, all right. He said, I've had a dream. And he said, I want you to, I want you to interpret the dream. <clears throat> and so these wise men say, okay, we, we can do that, king. Tell us your dream and we'll, we'll decipher the dream for you. 
And the king says, well, I had a dream, but the dream went away from me. And I don't know the dream. I want you to tell me the dream that I had, and then I want you to interpret the dream. Boy, now we have a problem. Because the king has got these wise men, who, by the way, are not so wise. Not all of them are so wise. Some of these guys are, uh, you know, they are make, they're make-believes. And, and so they're, they're saying, king, if you'll just tell us your, your dream, we'll decipher it. And they just tell him some kind of story, like a lot of preachers do today. And so he says, no. He said, the dreams went from me. I want you, to t- I want you because you're wise men, I want you to tell me the dream that I had And then I want you to tell me what the dream means. Well, the magician said, King, nobody can do that. There's no wise man. There's no magician that can do that. You have to tell us your dream, and then we'll tell you what it means. And he said, no, you're going to tell me the dream I had, and then you're going to tell me what it means, or I'm going to cut you in pieces. That's what he said. I'm going to cut you in pieces. I'm going to make your houses a dunghill. And so uh, they couldn't do it. And so sure enough, the Bible says that the king's uh, mighty men go out throughout the kingdom, start gathering up all the wise men and the magicians and the Chaldeans, and sure enough, they're gonna, I mean, they're gonna do a whack-a-mole, amen. I mean, they're gonna, I mean, they're gonna <laughs> they're gonna take their heads off. And and so they come to Daniel. Daniel's one of the wise men, but he really is wise. And and uh, they come to Daniel, and Daniel said, What's going on? And and uh, I think it's Ariok. Ariok tells Daniel what's going on, and and Daniel says, All right, says uh, let me speak to the king. And he comes to the king and says, listen, give, me, give us a few days. And he said, we'll, we'll tell you your dream and we'll decipher it for you. Daniel goes to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and he tells them what's going on. And he says, fellas, pray, pray. And they begin to pray that God would, uh, that God would open their understanding, that God would not only help them to interpret the dream, but God would show them the dream the king had. I mean, this is, listen, this is impossible stuff if it's up to me and you. Not if it's up to God. And so Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, they begin to pray and pour their heart out to God. And and sure enough, the Bible says that God uh, shows Daniel the dream that the king had, and he also helps Daniel to interpret the dream. Now, what's great uh, about this is that uh, as Daniel is interpreting the dream, He's, he is at the exact same time, he is foretelling future events that are going to happen thousands and thousands of years in the future. So that's why we call it predictive prophecy. Now let's look at it today. We're going to do a little digging here, all right? Daniel chapter 2, keep your Bibles there just for a little bit. And so look at, look at verse 28, Daniel chapter 2, verse 28. And Daniel says, uh, if you go back and read the preceding verses here, Daniel says that uh, You know, I I couldn't do this on my own, but he says in verse 28, but there is a God, I like that, Daniel, but there is a God in heaven that revealeth secrets and maketh known to the king Nebuchadnezzar. Look at this. What shall be in the latter days? And so, king, I'm going to interpret your dream, and I'm going to tell you what your dream means, but also as I'm doing this, God has given Daniel the ability to to tell what's going to come down the road, hundreds and hundreds and even thousands of years down the road. Now, it's believed in Daniel chapter 2 that Daniel is predicting future kingdoms. One of those kingdoms is Babylon. Um, Another one of those kingdoms is what they call Medo-Persia. Another would be the Grecian Empire. You've You've heard of Alexander the Great. 
And Alexander the Great was uh, over the, that Grecian empire. And then, of course, one of the predominant kingdoms that you would uh, pretty much think about would be the kingdom of Rome. Now, this is just interesting. Interesting. Follow my logic here. Did you notice as Daniel is, as he is describing this image that the king saw in his dream, a statue, if you want to call it a statue, did you notice that with each section of the statue, what it's made of decreases in value, but increases in strength? Now, you're not following me yet, but you will in just a minute, I think. Look again. Look at Daniel chapter 2. Look at verse number 38. Daniel 2, verse 38. And wheresoever the children of men dwell, the beasts of the field and the fowls of the heaven hath hath he given into thine hand. He's talking to the king Nebuchadnezzar here. And he says, hath made thee ruler over them all. Look what he says. Thou art this head of gold. In other words, the whole statue's not gold, but the head is. And he says, Nebuchadnezzar, that head represents you. And the reason that the whole image is not made of gold is because although that head of gold represents the kingdom of Babylon, it's not forever. It's not going to last forever. It is a temporary power is what Daniel or what the Lord is saying through Daniel. And so he he mentions the head of gold, all right? Look, if you will, at verse 39. And after thee shall arise another kingdom, look at this, inferior to thee, and another third kingdom of brass. So now we've went from gold to brass which shall bear rule over, the, uh, over all the earth. Look at verse 40. And the fourth kingdom shall be strong as iron. Are you following what we're, where we're going here today? So we went from gold to brass. Now we move to iron. And the fourth kingdom shall be strong as iron, for as much as iron breaketh in pieces and subdueth all things, and as iron that breaketh all these, shall it break in pieces and bruise. Look at verse 41. Again, we, we see a, a, a pattern here. Verse 41. And whereas thou sawest the feet and toes, look at this, part of what? Potter's clay. You ever heard of pottery? How many know that pottery is not very strong? Now, steel... You're going to have a hard time breaking that. Pottery, not so much. You can break pottery fairly easy. And he says in verse 41, And whereas thou sawest the feet and toes, part of potter's clay and part of iron. So it's part of pottery and it's part of, uh, part of iron. The kingdom shall be divided, but there shall be in it of the strength of the iron. For as much as thou sawest the iron mixed with miry clay. Skip down to verse 43. And whereas thou sawest iron mixed with miry clay, they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men, but they shall not cleave one to another, even as iron is not mixed with clay. So the elements, the elements are getting stronger, but the value is decreasing. Every time he goes down a section of the statue or the image, the, the elements get stronger, much stronger, but the value is decreasing. Now you say, Pastor, what in the world, what's, what's this talking about? Well, that decrease in value is believed to reference moral decay in each of these succeeding kingdoms. In other words, every time Daniel mentions another kingdom, that, that kingdom is going through moral decline. It's coming less and less and less valuable is what he's saying. Now, what's, what's the truth here, preacher? And this is the truth. A kingdom that is governed apart from God is destined to become less in value. That's what he's saying. 
A kingdom that is governed apart from the Lord is destined for moral decay. Now, church, listen to me. America had better take notice. And, and I listen, I am an American from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. I'm so thankful for the red, white, and blue. And we just had I Love America Sunday here just a few Sundays ago. And I love this nation that I'm living in. But I'm telling you, our politicians and our, our leaders had better get a, an understanding here that you can have the greatest education. You can, have, uh, you can have wonderful universities. You can have all these smart people. But I'm telling you, if you try to govern a nation apart from God, you are about to go down. Why, why, what, what's going on in America, preacher? Why is America not the country it was when I was, you know, when I was first born and growing up? And I mean, we had patriotism and we had uh, character and we had integrity and, and people worked jobs and people made a living and people had a, had, had a dream. And, uh, and now uh, anymore, I mean, man, it's just like young people don't know where they're going and don't know what they're doing. And, and we don't know which restroom to use and we don't know who to marry. And I mean, I mean, we're saving the whales and we're killing the babies. Babies and where uh, all these things, and you're thinking, "Wow, uh, preacher, what's a what, what's a what's a 65 year old man doing in stockings and and lipstick?" And I mean, uh, you you say, "Preacher, what's going on?" I'll tell you what's going on. When you try to govern a nation apart from a holy God, you know what's going to happen? You're going down. You are going down. And by the way, America, it doesn't matter who's in the White House. It doesn't matter. Listen, it, none, of that, none of that matters necessarily, but that, that is a call. That is a call that we need to get back to God again. Man, how many know? Listen, I, I'm going to get off this because we got, we got to get off this. If we're so much better off, so now we've kicked, we've kicked prayer out of school. We kicked the Bible out of school. We've taken the Ten Commandments off of our courtroom walls. They want, to take, they want to take in God we trust off of our currency. They don't want the football coach taking a knee on the field and praying with the team. And because of that, we are so much better in America. And I have a question, where? Where are we better? Where are we better? I'm telling you. And these older folks that are older than me and my age can relate to this. When I went to school, we didn't have to walk through metal detectors and we didn't have resource officers and we didn't have to have a deputy sheriff car parked in the parking lot and we didn't have to have drug sniffing dogs in the locker bay. Uh, and I'm telling you, if we are so better, then why are we in moral decline? And the answer is this. When you govern a nation apart from God, you are going down. And that's, that's Daniel's message here. And so we see, that, we see that decrease in value. Every time he talks about a different section of the image, there's a decrease in value. But it's interesting, there's also an increase in strength. Did you notice that? He went from gold to brass to iron. And so all those decreasing in value, there's an increase in strength. And it's believed this. It's believed that that is a, that, that's a reference to the, the harsher domination that each kingdom is going to impose on its people. Each kingdom declines morally and becomes progressively more cruel. 
than the last kingdom. Did you know that Rome, the Roman Empire, was considered one of the, the cruelest kingdoms that's ever been? Did you know that Rome, under the government of Rome, did you know they crucified literally hundreds of thousands, hundreds of thousands were crucified? Did you know the historians tell us that Rome crucified 6,000 just in one day? Just in one day. And that, uh, and that there was a road from Rome to a place called Capua there in Rome. And they said that as you traveled from Rome to Capua, that literally there were 6,000 crosses that lined that road. Uh, I'm, talking about, I'm talking about harsh, man. I'm talking about uh, ruthless. Uh, the Roman Empire was ruthless. Did you know they tell us that Nero, that Nero took Christians, impaled them on poles, doused their bodies in tar and set their bodies ablaze and used those burning Christians as lights into the city of Rome. You say, preacher, that's terrible. It is terrible. But that's what Daniel's teaching is here. That when you govern apart from God, there's gonna be moral decline. And, and the more you get away from God, the harsher it's going to be. It's not going to get better. It's going to get worse, and it's going to get worse, and it's going to get worse. And so that's what he's teaching us about all these kingdoms. But here's the good news, and this is where I, I want to get today. But Daniel didn't just talk about the kingdom of Medo-Persia or the kingdom of, uh, uh, of Rome, but oh, I want to tell you something. Daniel spoke about a future kingdom, and this future kingdom would put down all the others. And this kingdom would be set up and ruled by God himself. Look back at your Bibles again. Daniel chapter two, verse 44. The Bible says, and in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed and the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms and it shall stand forever. In fact, back up a little bit because I just, I just, I love this verse. I got to show it to you. Back up in your scripture there. Daniel chapter two, look at verse number 35. And Daniel's talking about this kingdom in Daniel chapter 2, verse 34, he says, Thou sawest till, a, till that a stone was cut out without hands. The ladies sang about a rock this morning. I thought, oh, yes, how fitting for them to sing about a rock when I'm getting ready to preach on what I'm getting ready to preach on. And he says, Thou sawest till that stone was cut out without hands, which smote the image upon his feet that were of iron and clay and break them to pieces. Then was the iron, the clay, the brass, the silver, the gold broken to pieces together. Look at this. And became like the chaff of the summer threshing floors and the wind carried them away that no place was found for them. And the stone that smote the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. What's that mean, preacher? It means that there is coming a day when God is gonna set up his own kingdom and all these other kingdoms are going by the wayside. In fact, they're gonna be absolutely, they're gonna be destroyed uh, like the chaff on the threshing floor and God is gonna set him, himself up a kingdom. And by the way, we're gonna rule and we're gonna reign with Jesus forever. Now, let's get into that just a little bit real quickly today if we can. What are some things we've already noticed about the millennial reign of Christ? Well, first of all, we noticed a trial we noticed a trial. There's going to be a trial during that time. Satan's going to be bound for a thousand years. Uh, thank God. Oh, man, isn't that going to be great? No more deceiver. No more trickster. No more tempter. And he'll be bound for a thousand years. We notice a time. Uh, our Bible's very clear about this, that the millennial reign of Christ is going to be a thousand years, a thousand years. 
And so there are many who, who deny that and say, well, that's just symbolic and, you know, it's not really going to happen. The kingdom of God's really not going to come and, and all those kind of things. And uh, preacher, what do you believe? I believe it's going to be a thousand year kingdom. That's what I believe, that Jesus is going to come and he's going to rule and reign for a thousand years. And then we notice thrones. And uh, we said that we're going to rule and reign with Christ. And we said that's of importance to us because the way you serve the Lord now is going to determine how you reign later. Uh, and we took a little time to give you some scriptures on that. Also, we notice a theocracy. And that just basically means this. In the kingdom that I'm talking about this morning, uh, the government will not be a democracy. The government will not be communistic. And the government is not going to be socialistic. The government is going to be an absolute theocracy. And that means this, that God is going to rule and reign. And our Bible tells us that Jesus is going to rule with a rod of iron. You know what that means? His way will be the way it's going to be done. And we won't vote. <laughs> we won't vote him in. And I'll tell you something else. We won't vote him out. <laughs> And you won't do inquiries and you won't do indictments and you won't flash his picture up on Fox News. And uh, I'm telling you, he's going to rule and he's going to reign for a thousand years. And, uh, and what he says is going to be, is gonna be the way it is. Now, uh, real quickly, real quickly, notice this. We notice the types of people. What, what kind of people, preacher, are going to be in the millennial reign of Christ? All right? And I think this is important. Look at Daniel. Daniel chapter 7 in your Bibles. What kind of people are going to live during this millennial reign? Well, we know it's going to be saved people. We know that. It's going to be born again people. But I want you to, I want you to notice who's going to be in the millennial reign. And I think this is important to, uh, to point this out. Daniel 7, verse 13. And Daniel says about this kingdom, I saw in the night visions. And behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven and came to the Ancient of Days. And they brought uh, him near before him. Look at verse 14. And there was given him dominion and glory in this kingdom he's talking about and a kingdom, now watch closely, church, that all people, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed. Now, you say, preacher, why are you emphasizing that so much? So much? And I'm gonna, I'm gonna hit this and go to the next point, the last point. But I want to tell you something, church. We better right now just go ahead and decide to love everybody. You know what? We had better get over our prejudices and our biases. Listen, if you're here this morning and you don't like somebody just because of the way they look, I got news for you. If you're really born again, you're going to live with them for eternity. And you're going to be in that kingdom with people who don't look just like you. You know what? People that come from different cultures, people that come from different parts of the world. Uh, listen, this is what I'm saying. We better get over ourselves. Amen. <laughs> and we better get to that place where we just welcome everybody in and just love everybody. And and doesn't matter who they are, doesn't matter where they come from, doesn't matter what they look like, doesn't matter what the color of their skin is. Come on now. It doesn't matter how rich, how poor. It doesn't matter which side of the tracks they grew up on. We need to love everybody. Why? Because if they are born again, we're going to live forever in eternity with them. So everybody, all those that are born again, all those that have come to the Lord in faith are going are to live 
in the millennial reign of Christ. But here's what I want to get to. Last of all, I want you to notice a termination of the curse. Now, you can just jot this down if you're taking notes. We won't go there today for sake of time. But Genesis chapter 3 tells us all about the curse, and it tells us when God placed a curse upon, upon this earth. We, you, you know the story. The Bible says that the serpent came and beguiled Eve, and she partook of that forbidden fruit, and, uh, and mankind was plunged into sin. And God placed a curse from that time till this time. God placed a curse on the earth. Romans 8.22 says it like this, for we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. But here's what's so neat about the millennial reign of Christ. During the millennial reign of Christ, the curse that, by the way, that's all we've ever known. The curse is going to be lifted. The curse is going to be lifted. Now, somebody says, preacher, what's that going to look like? The millennial reign of Christ, thousand years we're going to rule and reign with Jesus. It's going to be a glorified honeymoon is what it's going to be. The bride of Christ will be with him. And for a thousand years, we'll rule and reign with Jesus. And the curse is going to be lifted. What's that going to be, preacher? All right. Let me give you several things, and we're going to close. About the curse being lifted. How about this? Number one, look at this. There will be an increase in lifespans. Now, take your Bibles, and I told you we're going to turn to a lot of places. Take your Bibles, turn to Isaiah 65. Isaiah 65 in your Bibles. And while you're finding your place, let me just mention something to you. In just a few months, we have uh, 20. We have 20 of our people that are going with us to the Holy Land, Lord willing. And while we're there, we're going to visit a place called Gethsemane. Gethsemane, the Garden of Gethsemane. And it's there in the Garden of Gethsemane where they believe that where, where Jesus prayed. And the Bible says his sweat became, as it were, great drops of blood. And we'll visit some of those olive trees in the Garden of Gethsemane. Did you know this? Did you know that they believe that some of those olive trees in the Garden of Gethsemane are somewhere around 900 years old? 900. You say, okay, preacher. All right. Okay, big deal. So an olive tree is 900 years old. That's right. Did you know that during the millennial reign of Christ, people will live like trees? Let me show it to you. Look at Isaiah 65. Look at verse 21. The Bible says, and they shall build houses. This is talking about the kingdom. And they shall build houses and inhabit them. And they shall plant vineyards and eat the fruit of them. They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. Look at this. For as the days of a tree are the days of my people. And mine elect shall long enjoy the work of their hands. So here's what's going to happen. When we're in the millennial reign of Christ, it's going to go back to, how many remember this? Uh, some of those old patriarchs of the faith lived for hundreds and hundreds of years. Noah, Abraham, Methuselah. Methuselah lived to almost be a thousand years old. Did you know that during the millennial reign of Christ, there will be people who will live long, long lifespans? Number two, look at this. What's going what, to happen, preacher, when the curse is lifted? Number two, the intensity of childbirth is going to disappear. Well, all you mamas could say a big amen right there. The intensity of childbirth is going to disappear. Look, if you will, at Isaiah, you're in Isaiah 65. 
Look at verse 23. The Bible says, They shall not labor in vain, nor bring forth for trouble, for they are the seed of the blessed of the Lord and their offspring with them. Hey, ladies, did you know this? Did you know that childbirth and conception were never originally, God never designed those things to be with pain? Now, I can't explain all that. I'm not going to tell you I understand all of this. But I'm just telling you, originally, when God created us, God did not create us in such a way that childbirth was going to be something that was absolutely traumatic. You've heard of going to the jaws of death. That's what these mamas do. Boy, childbirth is no joke, is it? I mean, you talk about, that's major. But there's coming a day in the millennial reign of Christ, hey, ladies, that, that childbirth process will, will no longer be burdensome. There'll be no miscarriages there. That's what the Bible's talking about there. When it says they shall not labor in vain. Some of you have suffered miscarriages and uh, there'll be no miscarriages in the, uh, in the millennial reign of Christ. But there's something else. I'm, I'm having to hurry because I have several points here. Number three, look at this. In the millennial reign of Christ, there will be immediate answers to prayer. Now, you know what that means? Number one, that means this. We're going to pray during the millennium. We're going to pray. But prayers, our Bible says here that prayers are going to be answered before and during our prayer time. Look at Isaiah 65, verse number 24. The Bible says, and it shall come, this is so neat, and it shall come to pass that before they call, God said, I will what? I will answer. And while they are yet speaking, I will what? I will hear. And so while those prayers are being offered in the millennial reign of Christ, you know what the Lord says? Man, while you're praying, I'm going to answer that prayer. Man, while you're speaking, Lord, we need this. Boom, God said, I'm going to answer that prayer. And so there'll be immediate answers to prayer in the millennial reign of Christ. But I thought this would be really interesting to you, and I couldn't help but think about Miss Kitty, you know, and I'm so glad they're back today and because uh, she's the animal, animal whisperer here this morning. Look at this right here. What's, gonna, what's that going to look like, preacher, when the curse is lifted during the millennial reign of Christ? Well, there's going to be an instantaneous transformation of the animal kingdom. Did you know that during the millennial reign of Christ, the animal kingdom will cease to be predatorial? Now, what are you talking about? Let me show you. Take your Bibles, turn to Isaiah. Well, you're, you're there, Isaiah 65. Look at verse number 25. Isaiah 65, verse 25, talking about this kingdom. The Bible says the wolf and the lamb, what are they going to do? They're going to feed together. And the lion shall eat straw like the bullock. And dust shall be the serpent's meat. They shall not hurt nor destroy. In all my holy mountain, saith the Lord. Now, stay in Isaiah, but I want you to turn back, if you will, to Isaiah chapter 11 in your Bibles. Isaiah chapter 11. And the Bible talks about this even more in Isaiah chapter 11. And look, if you will, at verse number 6, talking about this kingdom that's coming that the Lord is going to set up. Isaiah 11 and verse number 6 the Bible says again, the wolf also shall dwell with the lamb and the leopard shall lie down with the kid. That's a young lamb or a goat. Uh, the leopard shall lie down with the kid and the calf and the young lion and the fatling together and a little child, a little child shall lead them and the cow and the bear shall feed. 
Their young ones shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. And the sucking child, the, the, the one that's nursing, the sucking child shall, shall play on the hole of the asp. That's a, that's a serpent. And the weaned child shall put his hand on the cockatrice den. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Wow, wow. That's why we put this picture up there. Or early, that, that lamb is lying down with the lion. And so the curse is lifted. Why do you have to be fearful of, of certain animals today? You know, you can take, how many know this? You can take the animal out of the wild, but you can't take the wild out of the animal. And that's why every once in a while, even in a show or something, it goes dreadfully wrong. And that wildness comes out of that animal and they attack their trainer and sometimes kill them, sometimes maim them for life. And there's coming a day, there's coming a day in the millennial reign of Christ when the curse is gonna be lifted and, and the, the animals will no longer be a danger. That means you'll be able to walk up. I remember years ago, years ago, we were down here at the old building and we were having Bible school. We had, um, uh, what was it, Alan? What was our jungle, our jungle theme? Safari. Come on a safari with me, was that it? Yeah. And uh, we had a jungle thing. And on the Friday night of our, of our Bible school, we, uh, we talked to this little zoo down towards Charlotte, and they brought a lion and a leopard on the last night of Bible school. Well, word got out, and the animal control got wind of that. And before we know it, man, we had animal control on the property on Friday night of Bible school, and they heard that we were having a lion and a leopard, and they wanted to come, you know, they wanted to come and they didn't know we are going to have a baby, you know, a baby lion and a baby leopard. Now, you know what? Here's the great thing about the little reign of Christ. One of these days, you'll be able to sit down and pet a full-grown lion. You won't have to worry about it. That animal kingdom, that, that uh, predatorial nature in the animal kingdom is going to be lifted. And, all right now, don't fall out me with, on, on this one. And Miss Kitty, you're going to love this one. But I'm not so sure that during the millennial reign of Christ, we will be able to communicate with the animal kingdom. You say, preacher, you have really went off the deep end now. I mean, I was worried about you before, but I'm really worried about you now. Well, isn't it interesting that in the Garden of Eden, when the serpent slithered up to Eve and talked to her, she didn't run away afraid. You know what? Evidently, it was totally normal and natural. And as that serpent spoke, she spoke, to, spoke back to him. And I'm not so sure that when the curse was placed upon the earth, Animals were no longer able to communicate. You say, preacher, animals can't communicate. Well, all I know is the serpent spoke. And all I know is a backslidden prophet who beat his donkey half to death. The Bible says God opened the mouth of that donkey and the donkey spoke to the prophet. And that's Balaam's donkey. And I'm not sure that, so sure that's gonna happen again. Wow, what a neat time. The millennial reign of Christ. And so... Let's, let's finish. Let's bring this thing to a close. We see an increase in lifespans. We see intensity of childbirth is going to disappear. We see the immediate answers to prayer and instant transformation of the animal kingdom. And look at this, church, and we're done. But there will be an impressive change to the earth's environment. Oh, man. Wow. Now, take your Bibles, turn to the book of Ezekiel. 
Ezekiel 36. Ezekiel chapter 36. And look at verse number 35. Preacher, what's it going to be like? This millennial reign that you're talking about when, when Jesus comes and he's prophet, priest, and king and, and the curse is, is lifted. And you say, Pastor, what's the earth going to be like? The Bible tells us exactly what it's going to be like. You don't even have to guess. Look what it says. Ezekiel chapter 30, uh, Ezekiel 36, and look at verse number 35. Speaking of this kingdom, the Bible says in verse 35, and they shall say, this land, this land that was desolate is become like the Garden of Eden. And the waste and desolate and ruined cities are become fenced and are inhabited. I'm not going to have you turn back there, to, but you can jot this down in your notes, Isaiah 35. You know what Isaiah 35 tells us? The prophet Isaiah tells us that the deserts, the deserts are going to bloom and blossom. Now, if you've ever been out west or ever flew out west, how many know this, that the further west you get, the browner it gets? I mean, you just, and after a while, when you get so far west, it's just brown. I mean, it's just nothing but just desert, just nothing but desert. But our Bible tells us there's coming a day in the millennial reign of Christ when those deserts are going to bloom. And the earth, as we know it, is going to become like the Garden of Eden. Have you ever done this? Have you ever read? Have you ever read the book of Genesis and thought, man, I'd like to be there? Wow. Tree of life. Man, I mean, you think about it. Man, I'm telling you what, Eve really messed up, didn't she? I mean, think about it. Man. I mean, it was absolute paradise. I believe it was perfect temperature. I believe it was a per perfect environment. They never had to worry about getting eaten. I mean, it was just, I mean, it was there for the taking. And one of these days in the millennial reign of Christ, it's going to be like that again. And we're going to experience that together. Now, here's the question that I have for you. Are you ready? Are you ready for the kingdom? You say, Pastor, I'm ready. Let me tell you something. In this church age in which we're living in, I believe this. If you've heard the gospel, heard the gospel, heard the gospel, heard the gospel, but you reject the gospel, you won't be in this kingdom. You won't be in this kingdom. According to the book of 2 Thessalonians, if you've heard the gospel, heard the gospel, and had the opportunity to be saved, but you reject, you'll be sent strong delusion. And you won't be a part of this wonderful kingdom that I'm talking about. Are you ready for the kingdom? If you're here today, listen, are you saved? Do you know that you know that you know that you know that you're saved and going to heaven when you die? And then Christian, I want to ask you a question. Are you ready for the kingdom? We say, preacher, yeah, I'm saved. Okay, but are you ready for the kingdom? You know what we're doing every Sunday? We're practicing for the kingdom. You know why we want you to be dedicated now? Because his kingdom is coming. You know why we want you to be active in the work of the Lord? You know why? His kingdom is coming. <laughs> and it's not always going to be Joe Biden, and it's not always going to be Donald Trump, and it's not always going to be Democrat and Republican and independent and moderate and all those kind of things. One of these days, Jesus is going to come, and he's going to rule, and he's going to reign. Are you ready? Are you living a life where you're ready for his coming kingdom? Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Father, we love you. And thank you for this time we've had together. I hope we've learned a little bit. I hope we've been encouraged. Father, thank you for what you've taught us. Thank you for showing us this powerful scripture in Daniel chapter 2 that, Lord, when a, when a kingdom 
tries to, to rule apart from God, it, it, it's, it, it means there's gonna be decline. It means there's gonna be moral decline and that government's gonna get harsher and harsher and more difficult to deal with. But God, we are so thankful that there is a coming kingdom. Just as sure as I'm standing here today, his kingdom is coming. God, I believe that we're building that kingdom right now. God, I pray that you'd help us to be ready. Lord, if there's one here in this building that doesn't know that they know that they know that they're on their way to heaven, Lord, help this to be the day where they accept Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. And then, Lord, I pray that you'd give us a church full of Christians that just say, you know what? It's time for me to get, it's time for me to get dedicated. It's time for me to sell out because one of these days I'm going to rule and reign with him for a thousand years. And then after that, for all of eternity, I might as well go ahead and start practicing now. God, give us some Christians who today will just dedicate or rededicate their life to Jesus. Maybe there's a child of God here this morning that's lost their fire, they've lost their joy. Maybe there's a child of God here today that has wandered away from the will of God. God, they're, not, they're no longer serving Jesus like they used to. But Lord, they realize his kingdom is coming. God, they better get, they better get serious. They better, be, they better dedicate. God, today, I pray you will have your way in this invitation. Speak to our hearts, Lord, please, and we thank you and love you. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Can I ask a question? How many are here this morning and you'd say, Pastor, if I died today, I am not sure. Preacher, I am not sure that if I died, that I'd go to heaven. And I care enough to slip up my hand and let you pray for me. I'm not going to come back and try to drag you down this aisle. I just want to pray for you. And I'll not pray for you specifically, but the Lord will know who you are. And you'd say, Pastor, if I died, I'm not sure about heaven. Would you please remember me in your prayers? Would you pray for me? Right now, you'd slip your hand up. Would you, would you raise your hand right now? If that's you, preacher, if I died, I'm not sure. Would you pray for me? I see a couple hands. Is there anybody else? Come on, just slip it up right now. Preacher, if I died, I'm not sure. I see that hand. Thank you. Anybody else? Anybody else? I see that hand. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Is there somebody else? I see that little hand right there. Anybody? Anybody else? I sure want to get you in on this prayer. I see your hand. Way back here, honey. Thank you. And I see your hand, sweetie. Thank you. Anybody else? I sure want to pray for you. And I'm going to pray for you. Hey, Christian, are you ready for the kingdom? Man, are you ready? Are you living your life like Jesus is preeminent? I mean, he's all in all. He's everything. Are you living life like that? If not, if not, in just a moment, in just a moment, I want you to tiptoe down to this altar, and I want you to do business with the Lord. So would you stand with us very quietly this morning and our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed.
personal workers, if y'all want to slip out down to the altar this morning and just find a place here today. If you prayed that prayer, or, or if you raised your hand, if you raised your hand this morning and said, Preacher, I'm not sure. I'm not sure about heaven. If you'd like somebody to take a Bible and show you how you can know that you're going to be a part of this kingdom that I talked about this morning. Listen, would you do this in just a moment? I want you just to slip out. Just go to one of these aisles, and I want you to make your way down to the front. And we just want to do this. We're not going to make you give a speech. We're not going to embarrass you. We just want to take a copy of God's Word and show you how you can know that you're going to go to heaven when you die. That is so important, so important. And so I want you to come, okay? I'm going to pray for you that God will give you courage to come. And then Christians, maybe today you'd just like to come and pray for these. Or maybe today you just need to come and get around this altar and say, Lord, help me to be ready. God, help me to sell out. Help me to be dedicated to the cause of Christ more than ever in my life. And so our Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for this time we've had together this morning. And God, I pray for these that have raised their hands and said that they're not sure about heaven. I'm so thankful for their honesty. And right now, Lord, I pray that you would give them courage and I pray you'd give them faith to step out and just walk down here and let somebody take a Bible and show them how they can know Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. And then, Lord, I pray that you'd help Christians to come and just pray, just pray that God would put a hedge around our church, that God would save these lost souls. And others, I pray, will come and just dedicate their life to Jesus. God, maybe there's someone here today that, that has, has gotten away from the Lord. They didn't mean to let it happen, but they got away from the things of the Lord. But today, they'd come and recommit their life to Jesus. Have your way in this invitation. Speak to hearts, please. And we sure thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, our heads are bowed.